themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with them. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. God, we are thankful for your presence among us. And that you are working. You're doing. And you're inviting us deeper and deeper into life, into your life, into you. So this morning, would you continue to help our hearts open? We love you. Amen. Amen. wonder if you sensed it like I did. Dan asked his question and we sort of started talking and it, it just became clear how sweet um, our community is. I don't know. It just was like, oh, this is wonderful. Um, I'm so thankful for all of you and <clears throat> for how God continues to work in us and through us, to us and each other, that we can, we can be the body of Christ to each other. That's actually where we're headed with the conversation today. Um, so we're talking about the transfiguration, the transformation, the metamorphosis of, of Jesus. <clears throat> and what I think is really helpful for us to begin under, to begin, uh, the thing to begin with, the best place to begin with is to admit that we are all of us being transformed. That's inescapable. And some of the transformations are, well, wonderful. We're happy about them. And some of them might come with a little more grief and mourning than others. But this is inevitable. This is what is happening. It's how we're living. And <clears throat> when we 
think about who it is we're trying to become, right? Because some of the things are just happening naturally to us. Our hair grows, our fingernails grow, our bodies grow. Um, but there are also ways of transforming or changing that we initiate, that we go after. There's a way in which we're at the, the, the wheel or the rudder of who we want to become. And beginning here, I think it's really helpful, it's been helpful for me to consider this, that the question of who do I want to be tells me a lot. What I'm being transformed or changed or transfigured into, that's by my initiation or by my intention, it is, it's telling me a lot. It's, it's giving me deep insight into who I am and what's important and what's valuable to me. So this is the, the big, big picture of what we're thinking about. So that's one thing. The second thing is, this is fun for me. This is maybe dorky, fun. I don't know, you can decide. So um, <clears throat> I have a science fiction version. I have a sci-fi version of what's happening here. All right? Are you ready? It's about to get Star Trekky uh, or Star, whatever. Okay, okay, so... Jesus is up on the mountain, and we've talked about this for the last few weeks. Why do people, especially in the context of Scripture, why are people going to mountains? A bridge, okay? Two. All right. A bridge, a ladder, right? They're going up to heaven because they want to encounter God. And it's funny how, like, actually simple that is in a sweet way. Like, well, if God's up there, I go up the highest thing I can go up. So that's what the hit, like the context, this is part of what's happening. It's part of the imagination of scripture. And who's the first person that we think of who kind of goes up on the mountain? Moses. All right. And what happens to Moses when he's up on the mountain? That's an awful bit lot like what happens in this moment. His face glows. He gets shiny. In fact, he doesn't even know it. He comes down and they're like, oh, you're glowing. He's like, thank you. It's my new regimen. It's the dead sea salt. Um, his face is shiny. He's on Sinai Horeb. He's meeting with God. God is writing with God's finger, however that works, on the tablets, and Moses is going to bring him down. Um, the second time that... Well, the second... Who's the other... Okay, so you got Moses, Jesus, the three disciples, and who's the other person who's up on the mountain? Elijah's up on the mountain. Okay, so now Elijah goes up on the mountain after he confronts and kills the prophets of Bel. And um, so here's what I imagine happens, right? He, he, he's scared or he's, he's noticing the severity of where he is. And Elijah runs to Sinai or Horeb. So what if all of these moments, this is my sci-fi version, all the moments are happening at the same time. Moses is up on the mountain getting the, the Ten Commandments, right? It's like out of space and time. Is this totally dorky and weird? Isn't it like, but that's how it can work because God exists outside of, I'm just saying the scripture is full of room for us to put our imaginations and wonder how these things might work. Sure, the, the moment with Moses and God on the mountain might have been separate from the moment with Moses and or Elijah and God on the mountain might be separate from the transfiguring. Or it's all the same moment, all happening at once, all out of time. Because when we are with God, something other than who and how we understand reality is happening. 
And that's hard for us with our modern brains that likes to measure and quantify and, and put everything in a spreadsheet and like organize it. And, and why I'm telling you my nerdy sci-fi version is this. I simply want you to unlock yourself from everything needing to make sense to you. Something beautiful and inexplicable is happening in this moment and is happening in you and me and us. And we just need eyes to see it. Now, on our way up the mountain, um, if you want to open your Bibles, we're in Matthew 17. On our way up the mountain, and this is always important to do, the conversation that happens in Matthew and Mark before they go up the mountain for the transfiguration is not a conversation that we like to associate with light and glory. And if we do, it's because we've been transformed. Jesus talks about the cross and self-denial. And like, so, right, if you're reading this as an actual storybook moment, right, how, how we generally read scripture is in like chunks. We read a chunk, and usually the chunk we read is disconnected from the chunk before. Reading scripture in the chunky way is not always great. It loses some things, right? So what we want to remember is on the way to the transfiguration, Jesus tells his disciples, if anyone wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who, want, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life. This is the conversation that takes place immediately before going up to glory, going up, going up to see this powerful, enlightening um, revelation, revealing of who Jesus is. And so the question that's been coming to my mind this week as I've been thinking about this is, um, do you wish to see Jesus transfigured, which is a little bit of an awkward question because it assumes what? What's the assumption? You can and you want to, right? The question of do you want to see Jesus transfigured assumes you even want to see Jesus at all. So here's how I flipped it a little bit this week. Do you wish to see Christ and do you wish to be transfigured, transformed, changed, metamorphosed? Um, so I got three things I want to I want to I want to touch on as we think about this. What does it mean to see Christ? Because that's where this whole thing. I mean, actually, that's where all of Scripture really is. You can't escape it. It's a conversation. It's a question about. 
seeing God. Um, <clears throat> so first, the question of attention. What does, it look, what does looking for God look like? <laughs> what are you looking for? What are you hoping for? What is it that you're working for? What is it you find relief? Like, take a moment and dig through your life and the last point of drama you had, maybe it was with a, a friend, a significant other, a family member. I mean, you know how easy that stuff goes. Maybe it's with a kid. Um, maybe it's with your work, your vocation, your occupation, what you're doing. What is, the, what, what is something that you're looking for, hoping for, wanting? What does relief look like for you? What does rest look like for you? And that's actually where this whole conversation starts. What's the first, what's the first phrase in our reading today? Go ahead. What's the first phrase? All right, six days later, which is, should trigger you to something. Matthew's not interested in telling you what day of the week it is. Uh, in fact, the word day is used three times at most in the Gospel of Matthew. So Matthew is saying something else when he says after, uh, after it literally reads after uh, six days. Okay, but six days later, after six days, what is Matthew pointing to us to be thinking about and recognizing we're stepping into? Sabbath, because Sabbath is what? The day of rest, and what day is it? It's the seventh day. And the first time we encounter the day of rest, the Sabbath, is in Genesis 1 slash 2. And after doing all of his work of the sixth day, God rested on the Sabbath, on the seventh, and called it holy, called it sacred. The beginning step of moving to see Christ is letting the cares, the work, the efforts that we live on the, nor you know, the six days of our life, letting them leave, letting go of them, even just for a moment, even just for a day, and focusing ourselves on spiritual things. Now, what I'm not saying is, listen, six days a week, raise heck. And on the seventh day, go to church and do your things and think about God and then go back to... Our lives should be more integrated than that, all right? But what's happening here is we get a rhythm for life or we get a shape for life or we get an approach to living that reminds us that there is more than what we can feel, think, do with our hands and brains. Life is more than what you can accumulate. And yet you gotta accumulate things to live, right? So the whole conversation starts recognizing that we're stepping out of being concerned about stuff and things and we're thinking about God. That's how Sabbath is, uh, right? Like some of, some of us hear the word Sabbath and we're like bad, wrong, old, you know, thing we don't need to pay attention to anymore. Some of us are like, thank God for, for Sabbath. <sighs> Because it rescued me from never-ending piles of work and never letting something step aside, right? For some, it's, yes, it's life-giving. For uh, some people, it's not. It's, it's meant to give life. 
And so it's in this space of Sabbathing, of resting, of being with each other. What day are the humans created on? I heard it like four times. Y'all are smart. You don't even, but did you get it right? Did you say the sixth day, Naomi? Boom, mic drop. Naomi, that's the second time I thought you should be up here preaching. So, <laughs> it won't be the last. So, the humans are created on day six, all right? And so what's their first experience in being created? After they get created and then they go, you know, they fall asleep and they wake up the next day. What's their first experience? Huh? Rest. Humans are invited not to work, earn, gain their place with God, but it's just a gift. We are born, created into rest and love. But in order to know it, to experience it, we've got to be willing to let some of these other things go. Okay, so the first word, the first phrase there, the six days later, how do we see Christ? We've got to look. And we've got to recognize that our life is more than what we can gain and eat and have, but there are deep, meaningful things that lie underneath that. It's a question of our attention. In, uh, in Exodus 3, Moses encounters God where? So many good answers to that question. Where does he encounter God? All right, he's in the desert. All right, he's on a mountain, and he encounters God in a burning bush. Um, when does God start speaking to Moses? Okay. God is watching to see if Moses can pay attention. The bush doesn't go on fire and God goes, I'm here. This bush burns, which is a curious sight, but there are stories of bushes that come, they, 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 they just combust, thank you. I thought that was the word, but sometimes words are weird. Um, right? There are stories about that happening. There are plants that secrete oils that when it gets hot and things happen, they go poof. And in order for Moses to know that the bush is, being, is on fire but is not being consumed means he's have to look at it for a while. Right, he's paying it. He's like, what is this? Huh? It is attention. And this might, you might not like this. You might think it should be different than this. I get it. But this is how it seems to work in scripture. God is waiting for us to pay attention. I mean, it's actually very obvious and simple. Who, which humans hear Jesus speak when he's walking on earth? The ones who follow him, the ones who listen. They don't like sit at home and go, ah, please let me hear. They have to get off their tuchus and they got to walk and they got to go listen. It takes some sort of effort, engagement, and attention. Now, there are obviously, you know, exceptions, but they demonstrate. I don't want to say rule because I don't think it's a rule and I think it's a bad idea to make rules along these kinds of things, but there is this pattern or this tendency that this is how it works. So how do you see Jesus? Pay attention. 
turn aside. Second, the second way uh, uh, you can is through scripture and prayer. Uh, Origen, one of the early commentators on scripture, who he says it, he says it this way: um, Let those simply be apprehended. Behold, together, the Jesus of the Gospels. He's saying, "Look, listen, read." And I love that word apprehended. I did like a, like a thesaurus thing, right? Apprehended, arrested, seized, detained, fathom, follow, contemplate. We read the stories, these sacred stories of what has happened, anticipating they will happen to us. And it is we, as we do that, especially as we do it prayerfully, we do this thing here once a month called listening prayer. Sarah Patton leads it and we meet right in here and we read scripture together. We read it slowly and we listen to what might be being said and shown to us. And listening prayer, just so you know, is a, just a, it's a, it's a, uh, well, it's, they've been doing this forever. They call it Lexio Divinia, sacred reading. We just don't use that word because we don't want to spook anybody, right? Some of you might be like, Lexio Divinia, what's that? But it's just, it's just slow listening and reading, wondering what might be being said. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that I love is that the, the, for me as I was reading this, six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and his brother John. The most meaningful words for me as I was reading this were those two first phrases, six days later, I mean, come on, those are the words you skip over to get to the good stuff, right? Then Moses and Elijah were there, and then the bright cloud came. We, that's what we want. But six days later tells us, wait, how do you get there? Jesus took with him. When we read Jesus took with him, what, what I heard was, hey, I want to show you something. Jesus wants to show you something. The Spirit of God wants to show you something. But you have to turn aside for a moment from, from your busy life to here. Now here's the second way, the, sorry, the second way, the third way that we, um, that we see or can experience um, Christ. And it's through the body of Christ. It's through each other. Anybody ever felt like they'd experienced God's love and presence through someone else? Just me and Lily? All right, you didn't, I'm just sorry, I'm just messing with you. Uh, so I want to tell you a story. Um, and so I want to preface this. Um, this is a cool story about me. It's a really cool story about me. I got a lot of uncool stories about me, all right? And I'm telling you this because the only story I can tell is whose? My own. And it's really a story about me getting out of the way. All right, so a couple weeks ago, I was on an airplane. I'm only gonna tell part of it, Kate, don't worry. All right, I'm on an airplane. I'm coming back from glorious Tulsa. If you've been, you know. Um, 
and I, I make an odd choice. I, I choose a middle seat. Uh, I never choose middle seats. And so we sit down, and I, I kid with you, I, I, I'm not joking with you, it's like the three little bears, all right? Um, Papa Bear is to my left. Papa Bear is bigger than me, all right? And these American Airlines seats, they don't have, they're not open on this, like they go, they like, it's a wall on the side, so like my thigh can't like, so I'm like this, and he's, you know, so I'm like this. But it's just life, right? It's just life. So it's Papa Bear, it's Mama Bear, or Middle Bear, whatever you want to, I'm fine with it. And then to my right is Baby Bear. There is this tiny woman who takes up two-thirds of the seat. I mean, and it's just comedic. Like, I feel like it, if you had a picture of it, you'd be like, this is awesome. It's a meme. It's a whole bunch of things. So we're sitting there, and I notice to my, across the aisle, there's only one person on the aisle seat, and I'm like, yes, when they close the bulkhead doors, guess where one of us is going? Across the oil. Well, she gets upgraded. They close the bulkhead door. She gets upgraded, and I nudge Papa Bear, and I say to Papa Bear, who's going, me or you? Papa Bear goes, I'll go. All right, high fives. I like Papa Bear. So Papa Bear gets up, he goes over, and we had been talking about how miserable these seats were. Papa Bear and I were like, this is terrible. So he moves, and then I get up out of the middle seat, and I move to the aisle seat, and I'm in heaven, right? Because 10 minutes of that was enough to make me put off flying for the rest of my life. So I move over, and then the, 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 the woman in the seat, the window seat, looks over at me and says, or you could just eat less. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about hearing that. And by the grace of God, who has, who has continually been changing my heart to see beloved children of God everywhere I go, I say, yeah, you're probably right. But I like food. Food's yummy. And I'm 42, and ye old metabolism doesn't work the way ye old metabolism worked. And when I try to work and move my body, did you hear that? Things crack and break. I mean, I got a pregame to move stuff with Advil. So, yeah. And, and scene. All right, so I... <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, what? Where... What happened? What, where am I? We, I fall asleep because I can fall asleep at a drop of a pin. Sorry if you hate me. Um, and so we start taking, we take off and it's like, it was with the big melt, you know, when it was like, where are we gonna put all this water? <laughs> um, that was, and there were storms everywhere. So we're flying through turbulence and it wakes me up and I'm like, oh, this is not fun. And she looks over at me and she says to me, I'm sorry I said that. I shouldn't have said that. Now, in my life, I've been a, it's okay, no problem, 
don't worry about it person. That is how I have typically responded to people when they've wronged me. But I've really been thinking about how that disregards what they're saying to me. She's saying she has sorrow for what she's done and said. And if I go, oh, don't worry about it, I'm, I'm not exactly meeting her. So I said, I forgive you. And it was on. It, it was like the atmosphere changed and it wasn't just air pressure. I'm 99% sure she'll never hear this. So I can, I can tell this, but I'm a little nervous. Um, she says, you know, where are you going? Oh, I'm Minneapolis. Oh, you're in Tulsa. What are you you're in Tulsa for? I don't like telling people I'm a pastor because they make a whole bunch of assumptions about you and whatever. So, um, so she's, you know, I'm there for work. Oh, what do you do? I'm a pastor. What kind of pastor? I say, because I'm in the moment, I'm like, I hope I'm a kind and good pastor, which she's like, that's not what I meant. And I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's how I want to answer your question. And it's like, she's trying to, there, something's up. So, so uh, I said, well, where are you going? She says, El Paso. I said, oh, I've always wanted to go to El Paso. And then I just leave it. And she wants to talk to me. And she says, I'm going to El Paso for liposuction. Now, do your best right now to not judge somebody's choice. Um, what, when she said that, what I realized was when she said to me, you could eat less, I was hearing the voice in her head. She wasn't actually talking to me. And what she was doing, the rest of the conversation on the flight, and I'm not gonna, I'll, I'll tell you the story over coffee if you wanna hear it, because there's a whole bunch more and it's not, it's not for now. But what she was doing the rest of the time was trying to heal. She, she, wanted, she wanted to tell me everything about her life. She told me things, I, and here's the thing, I asked her no questions. I didn't ask her a single thing. And here's my conclusion, and it's been shifting a lot. My conclusion is she was telling me because I said I forgive you, and not because it's a magic word or a magic phrase or anything like that, because Lord knows you can't, right? Like, you use that phrase the wrong way, and suddenly you're in like, oh, you forgive me? Let's go, okay? But what happened was I meant it. I was the loving presence, the body of Christ to her. When I was sharing it with Katie afterwards, I was texting her and she said something really sweet. She's like, how, like how good it was that you were able to be there for her. And, and, I'd been, and I was like, yes. And, and how I've been actually thinking about it though was, I, it wasn't that I was there for her. It was that I revealed someone else was there for her and that somebody else had always been there for her. And what hit me yesterday is I was like thinking about sharing this, going like, ah, do I share it? Do I not share it, right? Uh, at the Jewish Passover, they leave a chair open. Anybody know why they leave a chair open? Elijah. 
They leave a chair open because they expect the prophet Elijah, who's never died, by the way, to join them at their meal. They leave a chair open for him. That chair between me and her, oh, the space for Christ. Now, Jesus doesn't need a seat, right? Like, but it's this picture of it. How do we see God? We see God by paying attention, by apprehending, by turning aside, by choosing to look at these things. We see as we read and we think about these stories and wonder how they can be true in our lives, how they are true in our lives. And we see and experience God through each other. But here's the thing, in order to to be Christ to each other, we gotta be paying attention. Every day, all day long, Jesus wants to show you something. He wants to take you with him and show you the person that you're struggling with. The person who tells you, well, you wouldn't be so uncomfortable if you'd eat less. Or the person that cuts you off when you're driving. Now, thankfully, you know, that's usually, you can't really do it. But this is the invitation of the transfiguration of reading, of looking at this story is recognizing that we can change and we change through being with Christ. And in order to be with Christ, we have to choose to not be with other things. That doesn't mean you sit in church all day long. That ain't how it works. You have to be out in the world and be with Christ. I was on an airplane. I was in a All I kept hearing was, fat guy in a little coat. So my prayer, my hope for us today is that our eyes would be opened and that we would see and we would be and we would experience the transforming presence of Christ. Amen? Amen. We're going to take a moment um, to be silent, to be still. We'll invite the kids back up. Are you doing? Yeah, thank you, Kim. Um, And then we'll come to the table together.